you have to, as a photographer, if you really want to learn and you really want to excel, you've got to be honest with yourself about how you're really learning. And I find that a lot of people confuse learning and entertainment. It's fun to go to a workshop with a big name photographer or some really attractive models, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily learning a lot. Right. So as long as, as long as you, you know, understand you're paying for the fun, nothing wrong with that. That's great. <laughs> but if you think that you're actually learning a lot, then you're kind of kidding yourself. That's the unvarnished truth from Joe Edelman. Now, if you're serious about learning photography, stick around. Joe has a lot more to say on this topic. This is episode 94 of the Shuttlebug Life podcast. You're listening to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. It's a place for beginners to enthusiast photographers. You want to get better, you want to create something special, but you don't necessarily want to be a full-time pro. Well, join me every week as we talk about strategies for creating great pictures, building an audience, and making an impact with your images. I'm your photo coach and host, Linford Morton, but of course, you can call me Lynn. Let's have some fun. This is our Shutterbug Life. Hey there, welcome to episode 94 of the podcast. So glad you're with me because this is going to be a really fun episode. Now, if you're learning photography now, I've got good news and bad news for you. The good news is... You've got a wealth of information available to you in just about every form. Here's the bad news. You have a wealth of information available to you in just about every form. So how do you sort through it all? How do you know what to do to start? How do you know when you seek formal training? How do you know if you take a workshop, what workshop you should take and which one you take next? How do you know how to see? And how do you create good vision? I talk about all these topics and more with Joe Edelman. Joe shoots people. That's right, he shoots people. He's an award-winning photographer, educator, and model mentor. His primary target would be beautiful people. In addition to his role as a photographer, Joe takes great pride in sharing his knowledge, on his very popular YouTube channel. And I'm going to have the link for his YouTube channel in the show notes. It really is a lot of fun and super informative if you haven't seen it yet. It's worth checking out. Joe's career spanned four decades from his start as a newspaper photojournalist to his work photographing all types of people for commercial clients and working on, as an educator and a mentor to young, talented photographers. He's been published in magazines like Maxim, Cosmopolitan, Get Fit and Shape, and he has completed assignments for both the New York Times and the Los Angeles Times. That's right. He is coast to coast claiming adver advertising clients all over the United States. So as you can imagine, in a career like that, he's learned an awful lot. But 
even more importantly, he's learned the gift of teaching all that he's learned and teaching it very effectively. So I'm so excited to to get into the topic of learning how to learn photography in this episode with Joe Edelman. Here's the interview. All right, here with Joe Edelman, and Joe is, uh, I'm a longtime fan of Joe and his work, and so I'm really excited to have him on the on the podcast. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Great, Linford. How are you? It's great to be here. Splendid, splendid. Joe, tell the people out there who might not know who you are just a little bit about what you do and uh, how and why. <laughs> okay. Uh, the short version would be I'm that crazy guy on YouTube. That's the short version. <laughs> but uh, I am, I guess, by definition, Linford, a, a commercial photographer. I've been shooting for about 42 years or so now, which kind of makes me really old. Mm. But um, my my background started as a photojournalist and it evolved into studio work. So I did, you know, the portrait and the wedding thing and the little leagues. And that evolved into fashion and modeling. And then I took a little break in the middle and then I came back to it. And for probably the last uh, 16 years, I've really focused on models, modeling portfolios, which is kind of a dying business, you mm -hmm. know, in terms of making money. And uh, earlier this year, I decided that I was going to take these YouTube videos that I was kind of doing as a hobby occasionally and turn it into a full-time business. So since May, I have been teaching online uh, with the YouTube channel, doing uh, a twice-weekly live show on YouTube. And really, my goal is, with all the stuff I'm doing, is to make people think. So awesome. instead, of, instead of teaching a bunch of rules, really what I try to teach is, hey, let's talk about the hows and the whys. Awesome. I love that. I love that approach. Thank you. Um, because it's one of the things I talk about as well. Uh, the answers are in the questions, how you think Abs about absolutely. things. So, you know, but one of the, you know, Joe says he's a crazy guy on, on YouTube. And one of you, the moments, I think you begin and end your video and you have it also on your Instagram is when you flip the reflector from behind <laughs> your back and catch it. Yes. Which, which got mm -hmm. me because I tell you what, when I started working with reflectors, that was the most frustrating part for me was, was collapsing and opening that thing quickly and easily. So. And, and that's the part that everybody complains about. But I swear to you, the honest truth, that take that you see in the beginning of the video, that was only my third try that day. In fact, if you watch the, the very end of the video, yes. I've got all the outtakes and none of them are nearly as good. So yeah, yes. that, was, that, was, that was great. I loved uh, that. I thought yep. to myself, that's perfect. <laughs> so and, and and really that just sort of capsulizes what you you know, capsulize what you do in terms of taking these these moments and making them teachable. And which is one of the reasons I, I I love watching your videos. You have this really this gift for teaching. Well, thank you. And along the way, you learn something about the way we receive it as students and how we learn. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk with you about today. You said that sure. you have sort of come across some ideas on how we might learn better as students. So let's just start with that really broad question. What, what do you mean sure. by that? Well, okay. So let me give you a quick little piece of background. Um, my wife, who is an amazing woman, is a college professor at a small liberal arts school here in Allentown, Pennsylvania. It's called Muhlenberg College. 
And uh, she is a cognitive psychologist. Fortunately mm. for me, she's not a social psychologist because I'd probably be in a straitjacket by now somewhere. <laughs> so, um, but a lot of her research throughout her career has been actually about learning and how people learn. And in fact, in the last 10 years or so, a lot of it has been about how people learn online. Mm. So I, I really have to credit her for kind of a lot of uh, eye-opening moments, shall we say. But when I got into this this YouTube experiment, if we'll call it that, earlier this year and really began speaking with people on a daily basis, especially through my Facebook group and that, I started finding that human nature kind of gets in the way of the learning process. And what I mean is, by nature, all of us humans, we tend to be a little bit lazy, myself included. Uh, we, we kind of look for the path of least resistance. And so you know, one of the luxuries that photographers have today is an overabundance of information. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously the internet is this incredible thing between Google and YouTube. And, um, of course there's still good old fashioned books and, and all that stuff. But what happens is I find, and, and I'll admit, I find it frustrating because I, I really do enjoy seeing people be able to really develop their skills. I find that new slash young, we're going to use those two words together, photographers will oftentimes make the mistake of thinking that if they spend enough money on workshops, uh, on online tutorials, that kind of stuff, that they're going to get better at photography. And of course, I watch them spend the money and I watch them get really frustrated because they don't improve. And really what it comes down to is a very, very simple concept. They don't practice. <laughs> you can you can learn all you want to learn. You can shove that stuff in your head till it's busting out, which really is only making it more difficult because all that information you're throwing into your head is just creating more rules and guidelines that you're trying desperately to remember because you want to get it right. But if you don't practice this stuff, you don't get better at it. So this kind of this philosophy that I've developed it's not always the most popular amongst other photographers. And, and even myself, I make money from teaching and teaching workshops. But I find myself more often than not telling people, don't spend that money. Not until you really understand why are you going to that workshop and, and what do you expect to take away from it? Mm -hmm. Just because it's a really well-known photographer or a really incredible photographer doesn't mean that you're actually going to benefit from the workshop. Mm -hmm. That's so true. That's so true. So it sounds then like you have to have done some process of self-discovery or some diagnostic process before you even begin this learning path so that you would have mapped out what you expect to learn in each of these experiences, right? I'm, I'm, am I Absolutely. I, I think that's, that's probably much more concise and better put than the way I explained it. Yes. I mean, a, a great example. I had a conversation last night with a member of my Facebook group, a young woman. She's 26 years old in uh, New Zealand. And she had posted her first photograph into my group, which was a, a brilliantly done kind of beauty type headshot. And being very respectful. She gave all the information and she told us the background behind the shot and how she achieved it. And then finished by saying, you know, I would love any feedback that people will give me. Now this was, uh, by her own admission, only the second time she had ever done any photography with mm. studio lighting. And of course, trying to be very helpful. Lots of people started weighing in with, 
uh, information, all of which, and, and they were one of the things I'm very proud of are the members of my Facebook group. These were all very respectful comments, but by their own admissions, they were all opinions. And then a lot of people mm-hmm. were giving her a lot of guidelines for uh, where shadows should be and how you should set things. And so I, I reached out to her and I said, listen, I said, I don't want to sound rude towards any of the other members, but I've looked, I went and looked at her Facebook page and most of her work had been like outdoor fashion work and it was just brilliant work. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I said, look, my advice to you is by all means post pictures because your pictures are great, but actually stop asking for so much feedback right now. You need to go out. If you're just getting into the studio and that's what you want to do, get into the studio and, and mess stuff up, mm-hmm. try things, experiment, fail. I, I use a phrase that um, I, I think people tend to kind of understand. It's a phrase called visual database. In life, we have um, this collection of experiences. You know, even as, as toddlers, our parents teach us, don't touch the stove or you're going to mm-hmm. get burned. Mm-hmm. But at some point, we all touch the stove. And, and until we've actually touched it, we don't entirely believe our parents. <laughs> so, you know, as a photographer, you have to build these same kind of experiences. But of course, they're visual. It's the idea that when you look at light on somebody's face, for instance, you, you understand like that's really harsh and it's not going to be flattering or that's just too soft and I want more definition. So in order to do that, you can't really learn that in a video. Mm-hmm. You can't learn that in a book. You, you actually have to look at something and put light on it and photograph it and try it. And that's the piece that I find so many people leave out of their educational process because there's so much great information available. They're willing to suck it all up and, and, and take on all that information, but it o- actually overwhelms them. So actually my advice to this young lady was, you know, listen, no disrespect to the advice you've been given because you were given some great advice, mm-hmm. but you need to ignore it at this point. You, you, what you really need is to shoot. And I told her, I said, look at your picture. Your picture is really pretty doggone good. So don't ask for advice, go shoot. And then what's going to happen is you're going to get down the path a little bit. And if you, if you are working hard, it could be a couple of weeks from now, if you're not able to shoot that often, maybe it's a couple months, but you're going to get to a point where you're going to have start to have a body of work. And now you're going to have certain frustrations about your work. Mm-hmm. You're going to have certain things that you find you continually struggle with, or certain things that you find you're just not happy with the way this keeps happening. And you haven't been able to come up with a solution. That's when you want to start to seek advice. And you want that advice based on somebody that has experience with that. Mm. And, and at that point, the information is going to be much more beneficial. And so taking that back to workshops, of course, the problem is, um, you know, we all know there's, there's a couple different kind of workshops. You know, there's, there's workshops where photographers actually do a lot of teaching and it's really good instruction. It's really well thought out. It's structured and it kind of has a goal in mind. Right. Then, then there are the workshops where it's like, Hey, I'm having a workshop and I'm going to have these hot models here. And the photographer kind of shows up and does three minutes worth of demo. And then you just mess around for the rest of the day. Right. And then we have the workshops that are really nothing more than shootouts. It's like, hey, look at these hot babes. You get a chance to photograph them. Right. So so the problem with those scenarios is if you don't understand which one you're going to and why you're going to it, you waste your money. I mean, if you really need to learn something, obviously, the first scenario is going to be the most educational because the photographer is taking the time to really structure a curriculum and is going to make it a point to, to try and help you connect to that information. Mm -hmm. The challenge with the other two 
especially if you've got this thought, which I find so many young photographers do, that they're going to walk in and they're going to be able to get some pictures for their portfolio. Right. From a marketing standpoint, you wouldn't want to do that ever because why would you want your portfolio to look just like Everyone somebody else's. else's? Right. So if you have any goals of making money, part of the process is you've got to be able to separate yourself individually. And that's not a difference of camera angles. That's a difference of subject, background, lighting, makeup. That's that's the whole thing where you have to your differentiate approach, yourself. Right. So – Wow, that's yeah, that that's a, a mouthful there. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So okay, so we're backing this up, and mm -hmm. photographers are saying, "Okay, the light's going on. I see where now I've been, you know, going astray. What I really need to do now is shoot more. When I find a, a problem that is consistently frustrating me, then." That's when I invest in in learning to help me get past that specific problem. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, because, I mean, let's face it. As photographers, what are we? We are actually problem solvers. I mean, we, we could argue that photographers are kind of dumb people. Because what do we do? We cre keep creating problems for ourselves. I mean, when you see something, you say, oh, look at that. I want to take a picture. Mm -hmm. You're not just going to click. You're going to say, all right, how can I create something really that's visually interesting here? That's what right. makes a great shot. So right. essentially, we create problems over and over and over again. That's what great photography is. It's becoming a great problem solver, which is really, for me, that's what creativity is. Creativity is, is solving problems over and over again. People tend to think of creativity as being something to do with art. And if you actually research creativity, and even if you look it up in a dictionary, it's not strictly about art. Creativity is really a thought process, and more often than not, it's a thought process that involves solving a problem. So if you don't know what your specific problems are, it's really hard to solve them. Mm -hmm. And so you have this situation, and I guess you know maybe it's because I'm the old guy in the room, so I'll go ahead and I'll own that. I mean, when I started photography, there was no internet. We're talking back in the dark ages. Mm -hmm. You know, there was there was no internet. Cameras were film. In fact, I started before they had autofocus. Mm -hmm. And and one of the first things that used to break in 35 millimeter cameras back then was the light meter because the meters were up in the pentaprism and you'd ding it once and you'd have no meter. And right, you weren't right. going to go out and buy a new camera. You had to figure out how to set your exposure without a meter. <laughs> so so it was kind of one of those things where you didn't have as many learning resources, so you had to experiment. Mm -hmm. Or you found you know, a mentor, which even today, if you can find a mentor, that's great. Uh, but as much as I love it that people watch my YouTube videos, people on YouTube aren't really mentors. People on YouTube can help you solve your problems. Mm -hmm. So that's why with my videos, I really try to focus on the thought process, the how and the why, instead of telling people, here's all the rules. Right, right. But you know, that's you have to as a photographer, if you really want to learn and you really want to excel, you've got to be honest with yourself about how you're really learning. And I find that a lot of people confuse learning and entertainment. It's fun to go to a workshop with a big name photographer or some really attractive models, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily learning a lot. Right. So as long as as long as you, you know, understand you're paying for the fun. Nothing wrong with that. That's great. <laughs> but if you think that you're actually learning a lot, then you're kind of kidding yourself. Right, right. So, T yeah, totally on board with that. Now, yeah. when with practice, because now if we're going to 
spend all of our early energy practicing. Tell me what that, that looks like for you. Is it just shooting or is it shooting differently? And, you know, how structured is that for you? Well, I think it's I think it's an evolution. Um, I find that, you know, one of the things that science has taught us. So here's some of what I learned from my wife along the way. So mm-hmm. One of the things that science taught us is that that people do learn in different ways. So the, unfortunately, when it comes mm-hmm. to education, there's no one size fits all. But I am a big believer that early on, if, if a person is passionate and, and let's face it, when you're passionate about something, it's always easier to invest the effort. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if a person is passionate about learning photography, I'm a big believer that the first thing they should do is shoot and shoot and shoot pretty much anything, any way, anyhow, just shoot. And, And initially the goal is actually learning how to use the camera. I can't tell you how many times I give the lecture read the damn manual. Okay. <laughs> you know, let's, and let's face it, you know, I'm not even going to bring in the guy joke with instruction manuals, but, but let's face it, you know, people don't read the manuals. And the analogy that I give people is like, listen, when you get in your car, at most you are going to put the key in or press the button to start the ignition. And then you are not going to sit there and think about how do I drive this car? You're just going to think about where you're going and you're going to pay attention to the traffic. Mm -hmm. If you can't use your camera that way, you're really letting yourself down because I don't care what you're shooting. I don't care if you're shooting people where the stakes are actually really high because you've got to interact with your subject or for that matter, if you're shooting a landscape where you really still need to pay a great deal of attention to all of the elements in the scene, to the way you're putting your composition together and how your lighting is changing at every given moment. So if if you are putting all of your focus into the technology that's in front of you, you're missing the most important part, and that is the moment that you're trying to create or to record. Right. So by initially doing lots of practice, you're really getting yourself accustomed to the camera. From there, as once you're feeling confident with the camera, and literally what I do when I work with like very, very new students or interns, in fact, I just had this conversation with one of my college students yesterday who just got a camera for the holidays and she wants to learn as much as she can. And she thought it would be cool if she could come and hang out at some of my shoots. And I told her, maybe later, but here's what you need to do first. I said, give me a perfectly honest answer. Have you read your manual? She's like, well, I looked at it. Like, okay. So go find yourself a highlighter. And you're going to read your camera manual front to back. And I told her, I said, here's the problem. You're not going to understand half of it. <laughs> I said, that's okay. Everything that you don't understand, highlight it. Mm-hmm. And that's your homework. Okay? <laughs> so, uh, and of course, she really wasn't super thrilled with my suggestion. Yeah, that's but, not the f- but, most fun way of approaching um, it. Right. So once you've got to the point, though, that you're feeling you know, fairly confident with your, your camera, then it's a matter of really starting to train your eye. Because let's face it, the the most successful images, and not 100% of the time, but most of the time, it's because of the detail that's in there. There's been a, a, a great attention to detail, or it's just an image of an incredible moment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's really what, what brings the image together. And I give people the same recommendation with lighting. I, I All the time I get the, the questions, what's the, what's the best studio kit to buy? Like, you know, what brand softboxes? What's this? And, and I tell people, like, listen, if you've never done lighting, don't go out and buy a three or four light kit. Even if you have the money, that's the dumbest thing you can do. I encourage people, do your research. Figure out what brand you like. 
figure out what brand of modifiers you like, do your research to, to get a basic understanding of, do you think you're going to want a soft box? Do you think you're going to want a beauty dish? I encourage people when they're just starting out, start out with a simple shoot through umbrella. But mm -hmm. what I tell them to do is do your brand research first so that you don't waste any money and then buy one light. So I don't care if you're going to be a studio shooter and you're doing monolights or if you're going to you know, be a, a strobist and work with speed lights, start out with one light. And if you need a stand, get a stand. If you need a trigger, get a trigger, but one light and learn how to light with that one light. And, and this can be as quick as you need it to be if you're willing to put in the effort, but learn how to work with that one light. And then why one? Well, because basically the problem with lighting is I find that when people go out and buy kits, they, you have three lights. So right. you want to use all three lights. Right. So instead of buying the kits and leaving two of the lights on the shelf for a while, mm -hmm. they try to put all three lights together and come on, let's face it. We've all seen great examples of Rembrandt lighting where the subject's looking in the wrong direction, right? So <laughs> it's not Rembrandt lighting at that point, is it? So, so it's like, that's, that's kind of the problem. If you don't learn to see light, you can know all the terms you need to know and you can even draw them out, but you're not going to take great shots with great lighting if you don't learn to see it. So I encourage people start out with one light and that way what you're really doing is you're really understanding if you're photographing people, you're really understanding how to make a key light work because that's all you've got. So then from there, then add your second light. Maybe that second light, you're going to use it as a background light. Maybe you're going to use it as a rim light. Maybe you're going to use it as a hair light. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're going to do a clamshell lighting setup, whichever, but you know, then if you're basically doing it as building blocks, you're, you're putting a better foundation in and you're creating a better understanding of what happens when you do this as opposed to this. And, and then again, going back to that visual database, you're building out a much more solid visual database for lighting. So I'm a big fan as much as obviously the equipment companies don't like that, but I'm a big fan of like build your kits slow. Mm hmm. But certainly do your research because the, the other thing a lot of people do is they'll go out and buy something really cheap just to, to get into it. Right. And then, of course, they wind up throwing that away because it's, it's junk. So mm -hmm, by all mm -hmm. means, do your research, buy good gear, but you don't have to have three or four lights. Some of, some of the most – to this day, some of my most favorite shots are simple one-light shots. Right. It's, it's about what you put in front of the camera, mm -hmm. not what you do with the technology. Awesome. So – we, you sort of touched on another part of the creative process, which is learning to see. Yes. And uh, and I'm going to ask you just to expand on your philosophy there because it's all part of the learning. There's the learning right. behind the camera that you, the artist, you know, how do you, you know, take what you want to make and trans, you know, transpose it with your camera. But how do you learn to begin to even see where the creative opportunities might be? That's, that's a thing that varies for a lot of people. So certainly some people are born more creative than others. Science has taught us that. The good part of it is there is kind of this common philosophy that, oh, I'm not that creative, so I can't learn. And, right. and actually science has taught us that you can learn. Um, so it really comes down to, again, number one, I find that passion always makes things easier. So I will encourage photographers, listen, if you're into animals, shoot animals. If you're into people, shoot people. If shoot you're into nature, you know. shoot nature. Because that's right. That's always going to make it easier for you. It's going to allow you to see detail better because it's something uh, yeah, that's right. passion for. So that's step one. Step two is um, I think there's several levels to the learning to see. Like 
for me at this point in my career, I'm not going to lie to anybody and say that I pick up my DSLR every day and use it. I right. don't. It's <laughs> certainly feasible at this point, especially with all the work that I do for YouTube. I could go two weeks without picking up my DSLR. Now that's rare, but it happens. However, I am still able to state that I shoot at a minimum a picture a day. And this is mentally. where technology – No, not even mentally. Okay. There's these things called smartphones. Linda. Oh. They're awesome. Okay? <laughs> and, and I literally – and so part of where my discipline comes in – so I have these, these two incredible little puppies. They're three-year-old puppies. Oh, yeah. And one of the lessons they teach me because I, I walk them two miles a day, a mile in the morning, a mile in the evening. That's how I get my mm -hmm. exercise. And one of the things I always find fascinating about them, it's kind of like watching a toddler because I also have a two-year-old grandson. Mm-hmm. But these two dogs, I walk them on the same path every day. So for me, it's a chore. My human mentality is, ain't nothing new here. It's the same old neighborhood. <laughs> they walk out the door and everything is new and it's right. exciting. And it's like, and they're checking it all out like they've never seen it before. So for <laughs> me, that's like my daily reminder of look around because there is new stuff. And so literally my iPhone goes with me on every walk and Part of my discipline is make a picture each walk of something. Mm. Sometimes it's them. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a flower. Sometimes it's something in the sky. And literally what it's doing, it's reinforcing that pay attention. Pay attention. And, right. and look for things. And then I think the way that you really, you know, once you've kind of honed in on the things that you like to shoot, I think it's a combination of being aware of your own human nature, meaning the point where you're starting to get bored with things, and then also challenging yourself, how can I do it different? How can I make it unique? And I think where people get intimidated by that, how can I make it unique thing? Number one, they're afraid of making a mistake and being judged poorly. And number two, they think that making it unique means that you have to reinvent the wheel. You don't. Unique really should be make it unique to you. In other words, do it in a way that you've never done it before. Um, and even then, it's not necessarily going to be a complete reinvention. It may be a subtle change. But it's kind of creating that awareness and creating that discipline. Even to this day, if I shoot a portrait, I certainly have my go-to lighting methods. I have my go-to things that I will do. Those are the things that are going to make my life comfortable so that I know I can go into the session. I'm going to get a great shot. The client's going to be happy. But right. as a rule, I still always try something a little different before I let that client walk out of my studio. Mm -hmm. In fact, all of the beauty shots that are – well, most of the beauty shots that are on my website, which people love the beauty shots – Literally, the origin of those beauty shots was the makeup artists that I do most of my work with and myself realized pretty early on that modeling portfolios were kind of boring to shoot. Because mm -hmm. a, a good modeling portfolio is not about the photographer. It's about how good a model is the girl. Mm -hmm. So literally what we started doing was at the end of a full day of doing a modeling portfolio, the last picture of the day, we would do something crazy with the hair and the makeup. And, and it evolved, and we got it down to a science. We do those beauty shots in less than an hour. We do them in about 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. So, But that was kind of our way of having fun. 
and getting paid for it. So, you know, the client <laughs> was coming in and paying us to do a modeling portfolio and never had a girl not like the beauty shop. They all love the beauty shop, but they, right. don't, need, they don't need that for their modeling portfolio. But so that for us was kind of like our daily creative challenge. It's like, okay, what can we do with this girl? And what can we do with the clothing that's here and the things that we have available in the studio that's going to be unique and interesting? And so for me, that was always my opportunity to say, okay, what haven't I done? Let's try this. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and so even at this point, obviously I'm not shooting portfolios nearly as frequently, but anytime I have a subject in the studio, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I do, but I'm always going to finish with something a little bit different. Good. Good. I like that. Um, how can I make this unique? Okay. Um, what am I missing here in terms of of because we've covered a lot of ground? Yes, and because uh, you're, you're you're very thorough, and I mean that as a compliment. Well, thank you. <laughs> in, your, in, your, in your answer, yeah, I've never been accused of being brief. It's okay. <laughs> I like so that I, because you're answering. I'm just checking off all of my questions in one answer, and I'm like, okay, what's left? There we go. All right, good. <laughs> I like that. But but what are we missing here now? When you st you know step back and sort of look back at the the Joe Edelman philosophy on learning and photography, is there anything we've missed? No, I, I think really you know if I could if I had to sum it up and try and give people advice, I, I think that the key to to really being able to develop and to develop at the fastest pace that your own brain and ability will allow you, plus your own life, because obviously if this is not your full-time thing, it's going to take longer. But I, I think uh, I'm a big fan of the kiss it plan, the keep it simple, stupid. Right. And, and that applies in so many levels. In other words, for me, I tend to preach that a lot when it comes to lighting and, and the technology piece, but I think it also applies to the learning. Um, you could spend all the money you want, that's not going to teach you more. You've got to make sure that if you're going to invest that money, that you really understand what you're getting out of it. And I find even with my own workshops, I, I tend to bully people a little bit because if they don't come in with an agenda, if they don't show up with, I want to learn this today, I'm literally like, why are you here? Like, right. you know, you, you, why did you spend that money? Okay. Because otherwise you're just basically spending that money for entertainment. So if you're going to spend the money, have an agenda. Know why you spend it. What exactly do you want to get out of that? And don't don't be a victim, meaning don't wind up in a situation where you're thinking, well, this photographer is going to teach me this, and you go to the workshop and they don't teach that. If, you, if that's your agenda, before you pay your money, reach out to that photographer and say, hey, are you going to cover this? Is this a part of what you're going to deal with? Right. Because otherwise, you're really just wasting time you know, and opportunity. So I, I think the Kissick concept applies all across the board. Um, as humans, especially if, if photography is not going to be, you know, your primary focus from the day you buy your camera, this is something that you're, you're trying to find the time to do in and amongst all the rest of your life. So you want to make sure that you're really able to maximize that time. In my opinion, that time is better spent with a camera in your hand than it is listening to somebody, whether they're standing in front of you mm -hmm. or whether they're sitting on a computer on YouTube. Yeah. So love it. Love it. Love it. Where do people find you, Joe? Uh, well, my website, it's www.joeedelman.com. And Edelman. of course on yep, okay. Edelman, E-D-E-L-M-A-N. And on YouTube, it's youtube.com forward slash photo. So that's the P-H-O-T-O -O photo, Joe Edelman. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about you, the way you approach learning 
which is reflected in the way you teach. Because uh, again, you, I find the way you present very effective, and it just all of your videos. I'll just give one last endorsement. Are always they always seem to be packed with information. And you're right. We we look at some videos on YouTube, and we get a 10 minute video with three minutes of information packed into 10 minutes of of a presentation. But yours always f- seems jam packed from end to end. Great. Well, thank so, you. Thank so, you very much. So, I appreciate it. So that's why I was glad to, to, to share this time with you. So thank you again for being so generous with us. You're very welcome, Linford. It was my pleasure. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks again to Joe for coming on and chatting with us. I hope you learned a lot and you were were stimulated by his comments to at least rethink or think about how you learn so that you approach it in a much more deliberate fashion because that's when you really begin to 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 see progress and and really make uh make improvements with your craft. Now, if if you if this topic was interesting to you a few years back, we Back when I was doing the free webinars every month, I did this, I covered this topic, learning to learn photography. And we talked about the different styles of learning and shared some of the research on, on this topic, as well as we did just an informal survey to find out how you like to learn. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. So you, those of you who've been around long enough to remember that can go back and relive the magic. And if you are new to the community, you can check it out and uh, see uh, what we what we talked about then. You might find that interesting as well. I'll also, of course, have a couple other links that you will find interesting if and and they're complementary to a number of the things that Joe talked about on our on this episode today. So a lot of good stuff there. I'll have uh, a couple of things that are fun. We talked about Joe flipping that that reflector i'm going to include the gif for that at least it's i'm not sure if it's a gif but it's a it's a video from instagram so you can see what i'm talking about it's kind of cool it's a lot of fun and then i will also have more information on where you can see and follow what what joe's doing and uh you're going to want to do that as well. All right. So thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, you can make sure you don't miss another one by going to shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe. And this is how you make sure you join the community and learn about everything we are working together. The Shutterbug Life is more than a podcast. We are a community of friendly photographers who shoot, share, and learn together. You can join our Facebook group so that in between episodes, you can share with us. Go to fb.shutterbuglife.com. You can come to any of our free meetups in Washington, D.C. and New York City. And then you can learn with me in New Orleans, March 30 to April 2. We'll do a travel photography workshop and then another travel approach with, with Steve Rosenbach in New York City from May 4 to May 7. And if you've got a teenager in Washington, D.C., my photo camp resumes on June 19 and June 26. You can learn about all of these by going to shutterbuglife.com. All right. Thank you so much. I, again, I'm, I'm so glad that we can spend this time together 
Come on uh, to our Facebook group and share what you're working on. Introduce yourself. Tell me about what's going on in your photography world. I love hearing from from you and seeing what you are working on. It's it's a lot of fun for all of us, I think, to, to really share, to shoot and share. All right? So this week and this weekend, get out and create something amazing, and I hope I get to shoot and share with you one day. Until then, wherever you go, whatever you do, enjoy your shutterbug life. Take care.